at the end of the day, you need to improve the asset by improving the life of the tenants. Value add on a building is less important than value add on a life of a tenant. It's more important to have people relationships than things relationships. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome, everyone. I have the honor to talk today a very good friend, Tudor Franco. It's Dr. Tudor Franco. I keep forgetting because it's a good friend. I forgot to drop his medical degree. So he's a business partner as well. We've done a few deals together, and I thought it would be a good idea to bring him on uh, to give a perspective on what he does. So, Tudor, thank you for taking the time. I know you just came back from a crazy travel schedule, so thank you for taking the time and speaking with me and my audience. So why don't we get here a little bit about you from you? Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Saket. It's a pleasure to talk to you again. And I just want to say to the audience that I'm a medical doctor. Um, I'm an anesthesiologist by profession. I've been practicing for 20-something years, ran two medical practices, two groups on my own currently. And I am uh, more inclined right now to do uh, multifamily because of my past in real estate. And I enjoy more doing that, you know, day by day. You're still running your medical practice and you're doing your multifamily together? Yes, correct. So it, so it is possible. You can do a lot of things if you want to. We all have 24 hours in a day, right? That's true. It's a matter of choice of how you want to part your time and uh, get your priorities straight. It's hard, but I can do it. At this point, I'm basically a part-time physician that veered into the part-time slash full-time Real estate investing. I think it's more like full-time real estate investing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the deal that we, you and I did in Alabama, if we talk about that deal, I think we can, we can consume the entire month. I know it's more than full-time for you. So I understand the passion and I respect and appreciate that too. So Tudor, welcome again to the show, right? You know, the name of our show is Migrate to Wealth. As we were talking just before we got on, the word migrate is the key word here, right? The word migrate, my audience knows, I keep repeating that on every single episode, the word migrate is the most important word, not because it means physical migration, but it actually means transformation, um, right? From wherever you are to wherever you need to be. It could be a physical migration. It could be mental migration. You could be moving towards, in your case, the world of physician to a world of real estate. In your case, in my case, we left our countries um, and we came to the U.S. just like a lot of my audience did. So why don't you talk to us about your migration story and pick something that, that has been life-transforming for you. When you look back, like, I am not happy at the time that was happening to me, but I'm glad it happened. Yes. Like you said, migration is a great word for transformation. And for me, that meant a complete change of uh, environment, complete change in my comfort zone from where I came from, from communist Romania, I came in the United States in 1994 uh, after I finished medical school and basically start from scratch, start from zero. Remember, there was a time where you didn't have, barely have internet in the United States. Information was very hard to get. And when I came here, I didn't know anything. Uh, barely knew English, had no information about finances or how do you, you know, open a bank account? What do you do with a 
debit card? What's the difference between a wow. debit and a credit card? You know, stuff like that. So you start from scratch and you, you realize that it's a new life. It's a complete transformation in not only in a physical sense, like you said, but in, in the mindset. Mm-hmm. And that was for me the, the thing that kind of drove me my whole life because I realized that in order to achieve something in life, you need to change your mindset and you need to challenge yourself, get out of the comfort zone and try to figure it out, figure it out every single day. Yeah. We don't have a manual for, you know, like a life manual. We don't have a, a recipe. Nobody does. We don't know what's going to happen to us. So we, every day it's a way of getting out of a comfort zone and try to figure it out. So that's what I did for the past 20, I don't know, 25, 27 years. And, you know, I got to a point right now that I'm still doing the same thing. I was very well in my in my medical practice and I decided that, well, I need to challenge myself to something else. <laughs> and, you know, I started one story that you wanted to maybe your audience to hear is the fact that the key for me to transform my mind at that time was to attend one of the seminars at that time, Robert Kiyosaki and his wife was doing in person. They just came out. They came out with the um, cash flow game, um, and they published the Rich Dad Poor Dad. When book. was that, Tudor? Nineteen ninety-eight. It was early nineteen ninety-nine. Yeah, I think like ninety-eight, ninety-nine, around that time. Yeah. Yes. So they had um, an event scheduled in Virginia, Northern Virginia and on the East Coast. And I went to that after reading his book. I met him in person and his wife. There was one of those, like, you know, small little events um, that everybody can know each other. And we exchange a lot of business cards and whatever information we had. But at that time, I remember he signed my book. And it was so fun because you get to talk to Robert Kiyosaki. You know, 25 years later, he's uh, he's one of the most transformational person I know in yeah. real estate. Yeah. Um, so that was for me one of the probably the most important event that changed my mind and my mindset regarding investing because it was so opposite that everybody else was doing. He challenged the notion of going to school learn the financial system, get into the right race, get a job, go to uh, retirement and invest in stock market. There was the classic recipe that everybody was doing and is doing right now. Um, And he said, well, there is another way. Why don't you challenge yourself and think differently? And that for me was like, you know, a light bulb. From that point on, I start thinking that way. And I, you know, read books about it, start educating myself about what needs to be done to achieve that goal. Um, and this is another lesson that I, I you know, I learned uh, pretty early is that education is essential in life. Most people understand education in a very strict way, going to school, mm-hmm. sitting in a class with a professor that teaches you uh, by the manual, by the right. textbook, right? But education is more important if you do it from your own motivation, for your own goal, and uh, the way you wanted to do it. That's what I did. 
you know, you learn, you, you read books, you start researching, meeting people that are doing what you want to do. That's real education. Yeah. So at that point, I, you know, this is the, the beginning of the story in real estate for me, because I started investing in single family homes from that point on. You go on and on year by year, you start investing, you accumulate the little single family homes one by one. The greenhouse, uh, the greenhouse. Managing yourself and you develop this passion, right? Of, oh, I can get some passive income. More, more yeah. passive income than you had before. Yeah, exactly. It was passive. Exactly. It was not active. For me, it was something different. I didn't yeah. have to like actively work for it Correct. like I did before. So this is a notion that it's important for the audience to, to catch the difference between an active income and a passive income, which makes a big difference, not only in taxes and other financial situations, but mm -hmm. in the mindset. Like you, you, you buy, you buy your days off. Yeah. Right. You buy right. your days off. You are right. Some, you gain this day off that you have in your life. Mm -hmm. Every single 24 hour on, of your life is gone after that, right? So, but yeah. you, you buy in ahead you, from that passive income. It's wonderful. And it's working from single family home, scale up to a multifamily deal like mm -hmm. we did together. It's just a matter of scaling up, but the basic mindset is the same. Uh, Tuna, I'm going to pause you because I know you can go on and on of that, about that stuff. You and I both yeah. can. So let's take a quick pause kind of. You know, I think there was, there was a lot of good, and thank you for sharing that. I know you shared some of your vulnerabilities as well, so thank you for being open to that. So it seemed like, you know, what one of the things that I liked about that whole story is it's very relatable, right? So especially for me as an immigrant, a lot of my audience who's coming from, who's migrating from physical migrations, uh, we all faced similar challenges, right? We all say it's a challenge of either we didn't know anybody in the country or we didn't have the right job or we didn't understand finances. I remember I, I came to this country in 2000. My wife told me about Rata in 2003. I'm like, what is that? Right. It's just one of those terms where yes. if you grew up here, you at least know the terms. But us coming from outside, you actually don't even know the terms unless you are actively looking for it or somebody happened to drop it. Right. So exactly. navigating your path in that way, of course, that purple book from Robert Kiyosaki, for those of you who, is, who have not read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or who do not know who Robert Kiyosaki is and Kim Kiyosaki is, or the cash flow game is, get yourself a book by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And no, Tudor and I do not get any money. I know I don't, and I Tudor don't either. Uh, but that, that book is life transformational of how you look at your finances. So Tudor, a few things that you said there, right? So let's talk about that a little bit more. I think one thing you talked about is, um, you know, your journey from your journey, and you're still on that journey of uh, moving away from more active to passive income. What is that moment where you thought that uh, the $200 or $100 a month that you're going to get as a passive cash flow from owning a single family apartment somewhere or single-family unit somewhere is going to be life transformation for you. Yes. Well, I didn't think it was going to be a life transformation at that time, but it was because it's a scalable model. Mm -hmm. You can repeat, <clears throat> rinse and repeat the same thing over and over again. That's that's what I did basically. Yeah. It's not it's not a rocket science. It's a monopoly game. Mm -hmm. 
you buy four houses and you trade them for a hotel. Yep. Every time you go around the game board. Yeah. This is the same thing. Every month or every year you go around the sun, you buy another house. Yeah. And you get another $200 a month cash flow. And by the time you get 30 of them, figure it out. It's pretty well, you know, passive income for someone at my age, at that stage in life. Um, and, you know, from that point on, you, you know, sky is the limit. Because at that, that point, you say, okay, I have one house or I have 30. Yeah. But I can have 200. I can have 2,000. I can have 20,000. Right. And that's my journey right now. And I love that, Tudor, because it's so relatable, right? Kind of like as an immigrant, when you come in, you're looking for job security, right? You're looking for a path of certainty because you're coming into a world of uncertainty and now you want the financial certainty, which is good. I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad or bad and you shouldn't do it. But I think there comes a point where that security of job security comes at a cost. And everyone, each one of us has to evaluate that cost and do the pros con analysis. Most of the time, doing something slightly different than what you're doing today, which can help you set yourself financially secure path in the next 10, 20, 15, five, depending upon what scale and how much capital you have to, to begin with, it can actually alter the time you spend for active income, right? So your W2, and not yeah. just that, talk to us about the tax benefits that you've had with real estate. Yes, one of the main things that happened secondarily, it was not the main reason, you know, I personally don't do stuff just for tax savings. Um, I do it for like financial um, reason. But one of the advantages that you get by investing in real estate is the fact that you partner with the government. Mm -hmm. You do what the government wants you to do. Um, and I don't know what people are thinking, you know, that... IRS and the government are some scary things that they're above us. You know, they watch us from above. Yeah. Uh, no, they want they want to invest also. They want to invest in what we do because we do the work for mm -hmm. the government too. Yeah. So think about this. You buy a house, right? You put down a down payment and the bank and the, the government comes in with the rest of 70 to 80% loan. That's an investment for them. Mm -hmm. They're making interest off of you. Yeah. They own the asset. True. So 70%. At, the, at the bottom line, you are partnering with the government to do this deal. And the most important thing is that you get the most advantages, not the government. Talk so to us about those advantages. A lot of things that you, you know, first of all, you get advantage of, for example, you can deduct a lot of expenses that you you make on the investment on the property on the asset you get a lot of depreciation from that asset that depreciates over time and you get that in some cases you can get it in the first year too based on your financial situation so at the end of the investment, you find out that not only you produce a cash flow and you produce a profit at the end of the sale, but you also take the tax write-offs and deductions that mm -hmm. can help, in some cases, offset some of your active income right. from other 
professions like mine was right mm -hmm. so it's a very complicated system that you can take advantage of at the end of the i day. mean you and i know our mentor he and his wife they make close to five to ten million dollars a year and they've yeah. been paying zero taxes yes. for the last three four or five years right yes. so it is possible legally. it is legally correct and they're partnering with the irs i think one of our mentors actually used the similar strategy to buy a ferrari Right. So Absolutely. it is possible. Now, I'm not going to say everyone go buy a Ferrari. That's between you and your family. Um, but if you want to buy a Ferrari, that may be another way to look at using your investments as a vehicle to supercharge your purchase power. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You know, the example is it's not important. You can buy a Ferrari or you can buy, um, you know, a plane if you want to. Yes. Uh, but the, the principle is the same, that you can use legal provisions in the tax law mm -hmm. to offset some of the expenses that you have Correct. as a business person, as a real estate investor. Interestingly enough, the government wants you to do that because yeah. they, they have a lot of advantages themselves by you doing that. You're managing the asset, you're right. taking advantage of the economy and invest in that economy to buy whatever you need. It's a mutual advantage. Yes, I mean, as I look at it, you know, just if I, if I reflect on what you just said, Tudor, I really look at the real estate as four-legged stool. Um, one is what you talked about, right, cash flow. The second is the appreciation. You talked about the profit at the end of it. The third really is somebody is paying off your mortgage, contributing the principal every single month. The fourth is the taxes, right? Now, one is not important than the other. And the last, I said that in a specific order, because cash flowing property is the properties that Tudor and I look for, right? We don't go after the, the gamble of the stock market or the real estate market where we, we think that it's gonna appreciate by double the price in the next two years. While that's good and it may happen, we never purchase like cash flow is the key for us, right? We do wanna make sure the properties that we're buying is gonna actually add value, right? So that means it's gonna increase in value regardless of which side the market goes. Uh, and because of our efforts, so we control it. And if the market is in our favor, we we can actually ride that wave even even higher. Third is going to be the the principle. Somebody will always have debt on our properties because that is, and we can have another session on that. Is the biggest inflation hedge ever because you're paying tomorrow's dollars in today's money, right? And the dollar is depreciating to begin with. And last but not the least is the tax benefits. And Tudor said it said something very insightful there, which is very important is. Sometimes, because of the tax burden that everyone has, you look at this equation the reverse way. I need to invest because I need to save taxes, right? While that could be a motivation, that's not how we want you to make the investing decision. The motivation is fine, but the investing decision has to be in a very different order. Ideally, cash flow, appreciation, your principal payments, and lastly, your tax benefits. Yes. And I, I have to say something here that for me personally, there's something that I need to add in choosing this type of investment in multifamily, you actually, or I actually, and we both do improve some other people's lives, Correct. which is a way of value adding mm -hmm. to the investment because you're not buying a multifamily or an apartment building and you just let it be and you know, hope the market will inflate and you're going to sure. get a profit at the end. No, you buy an asset like that. You start improving the life and the, the quality of life for that, mm -hmm. those tenants by adding different things to the building 
that can you know benefit the tenants and because ultimately you are responsible for those tenants they're living in your asset and they have rights and they have you know families and kids and all this stuff so at the end of the day you need to improve the asset by improving the life of the tenants mm-hmm. value add on a building is less important than value add on a life of a tenant i love that tutor i actually love that because i think that's very very it's very important right because you can do a lot of things to add to increase the value of the building yes and that brings me to another idea is that you know in life for me it's more important to have a people relationships than things relationships yeah so at the end of the day if i know that my tenants are doing better since i purchase a property that's going to come back to me in a way or another multiplied right. because right. they're going to pay the mortgage they're going to stay in that building they're going to be happier um and obviously i'm going to do better but i'm not doing this to to get more money i'm doing yeah. this to improve someone's life that at some point is going to come back to me multiplied i agree i think uh adding value in general right not just apartment buildings are not that's that's you know the transformation philosophy 101 right giving is what makes you more happy and fulfilled and when you're adding value to somebody else's life be it monetarily be it service or whatever it is you get a lot more out of that offering than somebody who's receiving that offering yes. and that money cannot buy that right money just Correct. cannot money can enable it but it cannot buy it So that's an important distinction and that's how you and I run our business right our multifamily syndications it's all about people who we partner with like Tudor and I have, have several partnerships now but way we partner we don't pick we get pitched a lot of deals left and right right but we don't pick the deal because the deal makes sense it's because the people make sense right their values are our Tudor talk to us about some of the partnerships the philosophies that you have yeah It's interesting you said that because my first deal I did in multifamily space I did it with a group of people that I appreciated a lot and I you know in the back of my mind I was like I hope I can someday do a deal <laughs> with them or be right. partner with them and it came to a moment that I was brand you know brand new in the space and they they loved my story they loved what I did before in the single family space and they said okay well i think you might be a good fit for us and we should partner and i was so happy and because honestly i didn't even look at the deal yeah at the deal it, it was not important for me it was important that of how am i going to communicate with those people mm-hmm. for the next you know 3 to 5 years um most of the time you form lifetime friendships uh, friendships yeah. because the way that you communicate with those people every week Right? right you you sit right. on a calls you talk about the property all the time and it's just it's a friendship that forms like we we had too with oh, with our people so it's for me it's more important to have the this people that i can trust that i know that i want to know better and at the end of the deal i can stay friends with because right. at the end of the deal if i sell the asset and everybody parts this this way that's nothing left right True. there's nothing left True. i think it's less transactional more more right. relationship right i think you and i both value that 
Correct. Uh, but I, I do want to emphasize one point because I think you brushed on it, but it's an important one, which is more about, you mentioned something, I don't even look at the deal. So I want to make sure you didn't mean that the way it could have come across. Could you elaborate on that? Because I want to give you a, yes. an opportunity for that. I meant I don't look at the deal. I don't analyze and compare, you know, with other people's deals. I'm looking at the team that runs the deal because I know if I trust the people and I know the people very well, I trust they're going to take on a deal that makes sense. Correct. And would you say, Tudor, most of the time you get to a point in your relationship with either as an active or a passive that if, let's say, if you were to bring a deal to me, I won't even look at it. I'm like, you know what? You're bringing it. I trust you. You've done your due diligence. I know how you are. I know how you work. Uh, Now, hopefully you won't let me down, which I know, which I have no reason to think you would. My yes. first answer is going to be, yeah, let's do it, right? And then we'll reanalyze it. Just because I'm saying it doesn't mean we do it. It's because then we relook at everything and we yeah. go through the analysis one more time. But you've already passed the filter because I know who you are and what your values are and what your capabilities are. Correct. And, you know, we both had experiences both as a passive investors and as an active general partners. So at this point, I would say that you know, this is how I started. I started by investing passively in someone else's deals. Right. And you get to know people this way and you get to know how they communicate with you as an investor, what the good teams do and what the bad teams do mm-hmm. and, you know, avoid that. So it's an experience that you have to build in trusting people. And then you basically evolve from that mindset to being an active general partner. Mm-hmm. But What I wanted to say is that in a passive investment, it's important to have that experience once you pass to an active general partnership. You want to know what to do as a general partner Mm -hmm. when it comes to other investors and your, your partners. You need to know how to communicate with them, how to communicate the challenges you have in a constructive way. You know, at the end of the day, it's all about your tenants and mm-hmm. about your investors. Yeah, so Tudor, you have run a portfolio of single-family homes, and I, I've heard a lot of stories. We'll just call them horror or happy story. You've, I've heard a lot of your stories. <laughs> How different is, let's say you had a 30-unit portfolio of single-family and a 30-unit apartment building. Let's just keep apples to apples for a second. What would you pick, again, if you had to repick it, and why? Yeah, I wish I would have had a 30 unit of armor building instead of 30 single family homes. Now backtracking, mm-hmm. having 30 family, single family homes, it's a lot more work, a lot more maintenance and a lot more time invested than a 30 unit apartment building where everything is in one place. Mm-hmm. You can hire someone at the site to take care of your building, like a super or a handyman or a property manager for mm-hmm. that reason. It's very hard to find a property manager that will run around 30 single family homes around the town yeah. and instead of just one building. So there's so many challenges with single family homes that are in an apartment building that I can stress enough that at this point, my journey from single family homes to apartment buildings was a natural one. But thinking back, like you said, 
I would have started if I could. And if I mm -hmm. knew I would have started with a 30 unit family apartment building. It's in my mind, I evolved, right? There was a right. step, there was a ladder to get here. But if retrospectively, if I would go back, I would definitely choose an apartment building. Yeah. So that's an interesting point of view, right? Because I think anyone that I talked to, including myself, I would never own any single family homes again. Right. But all of us have gone through that journey. So one of the yeah. key, one of the key things for us in this episode, this, these shows are to, to compress the timeline, right? What you yes. and I had to do for the last 20 years, we we're hoping that someone doesn't have to repeat it and spend another 20 years doing the same thing. Right. So go ahead. Well, yes. And that's the reason, you know, I got into a mentorship program, right? At True. 55 years old. I mean, I'm, you know, I've, I've done this for 20 something years <laughs> in single family space. And I realized I don't have much life left to get to what I want to be. Through single, single family. family. It, it was a, you know, increased slope, but it was not steep enough for me. Correct. 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 So that's why you, you realize that you can scale up so much better in, in the multifamily. So looking where you are now, right? So let's just say, use that example for now. Most people may be starting out, right? They have worked for 10, 15 years. They have some capital saved up, but they don't know how to buy an apartment. You may want to go in the market and try buying a 30 unit apartment. There's only yeah. two things going to happen. People are not going to give you anything or you're going to buy an overpriced apartment. Right? There's only yes. two things going to happen. Or a crappy apartment that, that you wish you never had. There's only three possibilities if you go in the market hard, cold today or tomorrow. Yeah. So what is that strategy that you would recommend to somebody, let's just say you were 10 years ago from today and yeah. you had to go jump into 30-unit, 40-unit, 100-unit apartment. How would you, knowing what you know today, well, how would you do it? I'm assuming the yeah. first answer is you won't buy by yourself. I'm Correct. hoping that's the answer. So yeah. first of all, I think if you're talking about 10, 15 years ago, I would have been so scared to talk to someone who were, was telling me, you know, why don't you buy a hundred unit apartment building? Yeah. And I would be like, I, what? <laughs> <laughs> Only <laughs> so, rich people buy that. <laughs> right. But there is a way. There is a way and people are doing it. And it's, again, it's only a mindset issue. Yeah. And I'm sure just the parenthesis here, we're doing, you know, 100, 200, 300 apartment building deals right now. Yeah. There are people out there, they're doing 10,000, yeah. 20,000 right. apartment right. unit right. buildings. Yeah. So it's a matter of mindset. Yeah. So going back now, what I would do 15 years ago, I would probably with whatever I have saved, you know, 10,000, 20,000, $30,000, go and find a group that I can trust, a syndicator group that gets people together, investors together, 30, mm -hmm. 40, 50 of them. They invest their money and they buy an apartment building and you're right. a part owner of that apartment building. It's called a syndication. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens in any other financial system, right? The only thing that's different is that here in a syndication, as an investor, you are owner of a real asset yep. and you have control of your asset. Instead of buying stocks worth of $30,000, $40,000 that you have no control about, Elon Musk can tweet something tomorrow and the Tesla stock goes down 100 points. I mean, you have no control, yeah. right? So and another thing is that 
that real asset that you own can go away unless yeah. there is a natural cataclysm. There is a war or a bomb or something destroys it. That asset is going to be there all the time. And mm-hmm. no matter what you do, if you value add, like I said, the life of the tenants and the building itself, you come out much stronger at the end. Awesome, Tudor, man. You know, you know, I can talk to you forever, dude. And we probably will right after this uh, conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, let's. Uh, I want to respect your time and even my audience's time. So let's let's shift gears really quick, quickly here. First of all, tell us where people can find you. I'm, I'm yes. sure there's folks who are relate, relating to your story. They want to learn more about your journey. So where can they kind of get in touch with you? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. So for everybody that wants to contact me, I'm actually really available on social media. You can find me anywhere, Tudor Franco. I also have a website of my multifamily business, investing business. It's called StellarMultifamily.com, where you can email me and I'll be happy to answer any questions you have. I mean, you know, that's, uh, I want to pass on some thoughts, some experiences, and everybody can contact me. Yeah, and, and like, like most of my guests, right, I only bring guests on this show who are really driving from value, right? They want to be of service to everyone. It's like Tudor, I mean, I've, I've had several conversations with him before. At any conversation, if I've ever needed anything, it's not about what's in it for me. It's really yeah. more about how can I help you more, right? It's always a question. And of course, that beautiful smile, how can you go wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing that I want to add here is that I've been in a, a lot of real estate environments. And one thing that I notice in multifamily space is that, of course, there is a competition, you know, with people competing for deals and stuff like that, putting offers and not getting the asset. Mm. But at the end of the day, everybody's very willing to share their experience to, to teach what they learned from their experiences. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting community of people like helping each other with tips and advice. I agree. I mean, remember when our deal was going south, we had somebody who has years of experience in doing this and they yes. coached us through the entire, entire process. Yes. They had nothing to gain from that. Right. Correct. Um, but Correct. they were available for phone calls. A lot of people jumped in, uh, which was amazing, yeah. right? So to your point, I think it's a very collaborative and abundant mindset. You may encounter some people here and there, but majority of them, I would say 80 to 90%, they just want to share and yeah. learn and grow together. Yes. Awesome. Tudor, so repeating, where can we find Tudor? Tudor can be found on sellermultifamily.com and any social media um, handle that you can find. Just search for Dr. Uh, Tudor Franco. You'll find him there. So, but Tudor, that said, let's shift gears on the last two questions, man. Um, I always end with these two questions. I'll try to end with those two questions. One is, I know we had talked a little bit about multifamily from that perspective, but if you were to go back to 20, 22, 23 years ago when you came back from Romania, when you came from Romania here, leaving your life, your legacy, your family all all up there, if you were to tell that person today, knowing what you know today, what would that insight be that he or she, and Kyrgyz, you can hold on to and be a very successful man, hopefully 10 times from what you are today? What would that insight be? Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting question. And it I doesn't have you. to be multifamily. It doesn't have to be multifamily. I think no, it's going to be brought no. up. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very important lesson I learned 
over the years that I would go back to myself and write it on my uh, on my bathroom uh, mirror every morning. I would say it's more important of who you know than what you know. Love that. And that relates to the people that you're meeting during, you know, in your life. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't underestimate the importance of who you hang out with. And, you know, like Tony Robbins said, you're the, the average of the five people you're spending time with. Yeah. And that's really true. So go back 20 something years ago, I would say, dude, tutor, just be careful who you hang out with, who mm-hmm. you're spending time with. It's more important of who you know than what you know. I love that, tutor. I think, well, you know, why I love that comment is actually I'm reading a book called Who Not What? Uh, mm-hmm. Who Not How, I think. So I think with, again, with us immigrants, right? Yeah. It's everything is about overachieving where I can do it better than someone else. And we go into the analysis mode of how can I do it instead of who can I find who can help me do it, right? It's, a, yes. it's again, a shift of reframing of the question, but it's a very powerful reframe. Yeah. So thank you exactly. again for sharing that. So now, towards the end of the session here, uh, episode here, what is, you may have to think hard on that one, what is the one desire you have for the humanity to migrate towards? Right? We talked about your migration story. We talked about your insights, and thank you for sharing that. We want to talk, we want to listen to you about where do you want the humanity to migrate intentionally towards? Yes. Uh, well, this is more of a philosophical question, right? And it could be like thousands of years from now. Sure. Uh, but I hope the humanity is going to realize that we have a very small planet to live on and it's not going anywhere. It's not going to improve and it's in our hands to keep it the way it is, at least, mm-hmm. if not improving it. So I hope the whole philosophy of humanity is going to evolve to something as a community of Earth, so to speak, on an interplanetary planetary scale, right, that can take care of what we have. We we're born on this planet, and I hope you know we can keep it the way it is, at least. Yeah, no, I think, I think we'll all have to play our part. Otherwise, our generation is not going to like us, right? Exactly. We don't want the past generation that the future generation hates. I would agree. We all should should play our role in in saving the planet, if not making it better. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tudor. Again, I appreciate you, my friend, my friend, my business partner. I miss you. We'll probably got to get hang out soon, sometime soon. But for this episode, this is it. And again, you can reach out to tutor at stellarmultifamily.com. If you did not get a chance to write it down, I will be including that in the show notes um, as part of the episode. Well, thank, thank you, Tudor. Thank you very much, Zachit. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and I hope you know everybody can learn something from those podcasts. I'm sure they will. Well, thank you. Thank you, Tudor. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. 
keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.